heard there was a secret chord that David played that pleased the Lord. But you don't really care for music, do ya? It goes like this, the fourth, the fifth, the minor fall, the major lift, the baffled king composing Alleluia. Your faith was strong, but you needed proof. You saw her bathing on the roof. Her beauty in the moonlight overthrew ya. She tied you to a kitchen chair. She broke your throne and she cut your hair. And from your lips she drew the Alleluia. Hello everyone, happy Easter to all of our listeners out there in South Richfield. Thank you for tuning in to the South Richfield Podcast with Scott Luther and Matt Coma. Hello out there in podcast land, it is us, Matt Coma and Scott Luther of the South Richfield Podcast, backed by popular demand. No, Matt, I was in church, and guess who I ran into? Uh, in church? Uh, Jesus? <laughs> well, he is everywhere. Oh, that's true. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, I ran into your old neighbor, Peggy Talent, and uh-huh. uh, she said... When are you and Matt going to do another podcast? And I said, well, I didn't know anybody really wanted one of those. But uh, I'll call Matt and we'll get one put together. And here we are. All right. This one's for you, Mrs. Talent. Right, right. And Jesus. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Now now I've got got to make sure I do do my best. That means no swearing. Right. Mrs. Talent doesn't like swearing. Jesus, he's all right with it. (laughs) (laughs) I did read this book, Matt. I don't know if you ever read it called Lamb, L-A-M-B. I can't remember who wrote it, but it's all about Jesus and his best friend growing up, Biff, who is a disciple you never hear about. (laughs) So if if you're ever interested, uh, check out this book called Lamb, and it is by... Someone's going to tell me before before I find it on my phone. I don't remember. I guess I should probably put in lamb book or lamb chop. <laughs> mm, lamb. 
You know, Mrs. Talent's uh, kids it, it used to raise lambs. Did they? I think so. Did they? For the sake of this story, they did. Did they? Did they raise them to full-grown sheep so they would hmm. shear the wool? I, I just remember it was a 4-H situation. Okay. So I, I, I'm sure there was some full-grown sheep because I remember there was a, uh, at least in my faulty memory, I, I thought there was a breeding ram. Yeah, there was a breeding ram. And uh, so they must have been full-grown sheep. Okay. <laughs> Doing what sheep I, do. <laughs> yeah. They're dirty animals from what I understand. But the, the author of that book, Lamb, is Christopher Moore, just like uh, Eric Moore. Who I, you know, and Greg Moore, yeah, and Greg Moore. Uh, we probably don't have time to get to him today, but we'll go ahead with uh, you know, what we actually are here to talk about, Matt, which is what, what we've been up to. <laughs> right. right. It's it's you know it's March. You know, you look outside, everything's gray. It's been weird. It's been sunny. And warm in the 60s, and then it drops down in the 20s, and then it goes back up and down. It was actually yeah. pretty pretty nice this week. It, this, it was great, but it wasn't rainy until today. Uh, up here, uh, we've had five major rain events in the last 35 days or so. Uh, but put, back to your point about weather, it was up here uh, in northwest Ohio. It was really cold in January. Uh, so that it was uh, below freezing during the day and certainly below freezing at night. And uh, usually at that time is when people who are maple hobbyists or sugarers okay. start tapping their trees. And that's something I, that I've done the last couple seasons. So all in January, I couldn't tap the trees because it was just too darn cold, Scott. Oh, my gosh. The temperatures that you look for when you're doing this is uh, you want to get above freezing. So typically high 30s, uh, no no more than 40 during the day, and then at freezing at night. So the sap shoots up the tree trunk up to the outer reaches. And at nighttime, when it gets cold, it comes back down. And that's when you do your collecting of that sap. Or does the the bucket collect it? Well, a tube collects it. And dumps it into a bucket. And what's that tube called? A sty? St- what's a steel? Uh, s- a style? Steel? St- I don't. Stub? <laughs> like I said, I'm a hobbyist. My not grandpa would be knocking me upside the head right now if he heard us talking about this. Because, you know, they had a big maple syrup operation back in the 30s and 40s. Oh, really? Yeah. Back in our woods. Um they would take their team of horses back there and tap those trees and boil down that that sap to make pure maple syrup. Um, but they had to stop after they sold the horses because they bought their first tractor in like 1942. And then they realized we can't it can't navigate where the horses could. So they kind of they kind of gave up. It was a pretty big operation. From what I understand. Wow. Yeah. Well, if you're using horses to haul in that sap, that yeah, that is a pretty big operation. Yeah. Because it 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 
typically is a 40 to one or 50 to one ratio of sap to actual maple sugar when you're done. So if you're going to get a gallon, like think about a gallon of milk of, of maple syrup, you would have to get a 55 gallon drum Wow! and boil that down. And that's a lot of horsepower. Yeah. And uh, do you know the horse's names by any chance? Um, let me guess. The horses were named uh, Cinnamon and uh, Nutmeg. <laughs> Those are great guesses, but they are incorrect. The horses, the horses were named Dick and Doc. <laughs> oh, okay. With, with a K at the end of Doc, not, not D-O-C. Oh, the, the Dutch spelling. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. So did you actually collect any sap then to make syrup this season or was it just yeah like let me in show February you something. did it well that's i was talking about the weather and so the weather uh was freezing it was just too cold for the sap to start flowing in january at least up here and then in february like you said it shot up to 70 so the trees are thinking oh it's spring and they start putting out their buds and when they put out the buds the sap starts taking on sort of a vegetable type of uh-huh. flavor that's kind of off-putting or it could be. Uh, so some of my trees started budding, so I couldn't tap those, and the weather just wasn't right. Uh, and then after that two weeks of warmth, uh, it got back down to cold weather again. Or actually, it was it was pretty nice. It was that high 30s, low 40s, and then a freezing at night. And uh, so I was able to start collecting some sap and then boiling it down. For uh, my birthday last year, Penny and the kids bought me this whole uh evaporator system that i used for the first time it was a wood burner and uh, most of this year was spent figuring out how to really how to use it right right and at the at the end of this season i finally got a feel for it but again back to the weather we um had a very shorted or shortened or truncated uh season for collecting the maple because of just the weather was just so screwy and um, so it, it stopped um, about three weeks ago up here. So I wasn't able to collect anything more. So I, I did make some this year. And it, uh, the first, uh, the early batches tasted tasted good. But uh, later on, uh, they started, uh, I got a couple that had that, that flavor, that off-putting flavor. So I just didn't bother. And then the trees just stopped, started producing. Yeah. I was going to give that stuff to you. I would probably enjoy the off-putting uh, pudding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you should get off-putting. <laughs> you know, I'm a, just give me the log cabin or, you know, the uh, Pearl Milling Company now that Mrs. Buttersworth or Aunt Jemima, Which one did it replace? Aunt Jemima, uh, I think. I don't know. Per, anyway, Mrs. Butter, Buttersworth. I like the fake stuff. You're never going to convince me to to have the natural. Well, that is a challenge right there. We will do when I come into town in April, I'll bring some of the good stuff. And I do have some stuff from uh so we'll do a blind taste test challenge. I'll bring the stuff that I made, I uh-huh. have some stuff, some actual stuff from Vermont. We'll do Mrs. Butterworth. We'll do some uh brand X <laughs> and uh and maybe just like some K-Row syrup <laughs> and okay. We'll do a blind taste test challenge and see if you and and the boys and Rachel can taste what's going on. Which one? Which one we all prefer? Yeah, and you'll give uh, your tasting notes. Okay, 
Now, the boys do like the real stuff. Rachel likes the real stuff. It's probably just me, you know. You know, nothing, nothing could compare to my grandpa's is probably, you know, was probably burned into me. He used to, um, you know, he was paralyzed when I was one year, one year old. He fell off a grain bin they were tearing down in Medina and uh, was paralyzed. Um, so he couldn't work the farm anymore. And that's when my dad um, took over his share of the farm work. But um, after he was paralyzed, he still kept bees. And uh, would he had a, a like a little lawn tractor that he would drive back to the woods where they used to <laughs> do the the syrup, um, but he kept uh, beehives back there. He also okay. had a, had like one pane, like glass enclosed pane, um, with a tube leading out of the dining room window, and this glass pane was in the house. So there was like a one comb section where you could watch these bees go in and do their thing. It was wow. really neat growing up. It is. You just worry yeah. about the um, bees getting in the house if someone hit it with a bowling ball or something. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> they're whipping those around outside. Right. <laughs> well, it, it. you know, it's funny you mentioned that uh, because for Christmas this year, Penny and the kids got me uh, – a couple of beehives or a beehive, a beehive, so a beehive. So I'm going to uh, start keeping bees here pretty soon. Did they get you a queen bee or anything no, I, like that? Uh, well, Beyonce is always going to be my queen bee, <laughs> but no, they didn't get me a, a queen. I got to go buy a queen. Uh, it's funny. I went to a beekeeping class up here or no, the, the mommy Valley beekeepers association. And uh, I, first time I, I go to this meeting and no one's really talking to me. I understand that because I'm the new guy. Right. But as soon as they find out that I'm the new guy and I'm interested in buying bees, zhook, all these people <laughs> come over and start jibber jabbering to me. Hey, how are you doing? Glad to meet you. Hey, you want to buy this? You want to buy that? You want to buy this? You want to buy that? So I think what the purpose of the, the Beekeepers Association is you have an executive board of beekeepers. <laughs> Uh, who try to bring in a bunch of newbies like myself, newbies, and uh, sell them stuff. <laughs> the MVBA. Right. I've, I've Good heard people, about though. Them. Good people. So you're going to get I, your queen bee. I'm going to get my queen bee. Does it just get... attract bees, or do you need worker bees? Like, you get five worker bees to start, like a starter pack? You get a starter pack. They call it a nuke. And um, they're going to charge me $180. For this, it's like five pounds of bees or whatever that is. Five pounds. Uh, I know. <laughs> and uh, they're gonna, uh, and I don't know if I'm gonna go that route, but uh, you know they what? would give me, they would give me these bees, and you set them into your box, and uh, depending on what time of year, you either give them some sugar water or you just let them go out and do their thing. Uh -huh. So I think what what this shows is that my bees aren't gonna make it. <laughs> You know, when you're in town, let's talk to my brother, Tim. Uh, he has some beekeeper friends, and maybe uh, maybe they know. You know, they might just have a, a, a bee, a queen that's just laying around, okay. not pulling her weight. <laughs> that's what you and they, to they just, you know, give it, give, you know, $180. Well, and here's the thing, too, I, that I'm not quite getting. So you get this queen bee, and you have these other bees that are hanging around. Uh, she'll then fly out and like 
with a bunch of other queens and they'll go to a spot and kind of dance around in the air meeting <laughs> drones. Okay. And they'll mate with the drones and th- then she'll head back to the hive and she's she's got all of the drone um, genetic material. Okay. And she'll ju- she'll <laughs> she'll use that genetic material and start laying eggs. Okay. And uh, then throughout the course of the summer, she just keeps the baby making going. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. She has a whole brood then. Yeah. Yep. So her whole job is to lay like a thousand eggs a day. That's like insane. That's a lot of larva. Right. She's going to blow out her thorax. (laughs) (laughs) She's like the Octomom. Well, I do like honey, Matt. So, you know, I have my nighttime cup of tea. Uh Not every night, maybe twice a week. I won't overdo it. But I will put, you know, a spoonful of honey in my tea instead of sugar just because I, I feel more cultured if I'm if I'm doing that. So if you make honey, bring some of that. Well, quite so. And apparently in one hive, you can get about 80 pounds of honey. 80 pounds of honey. Yeah. Wow. I thought, uh, is that uh, liquid liquid pounds? A pound is a pound. <laughs> 16 fluid ounces times oh, 80. Well, as far as the, you know, the volume, I'm not sure, but like when Winnie the Pooh reaches into that tree crevice uh-huh. and he has his hand and that song starts playing, honey, 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 honey. You have kids. You probably listen to this Winnie the Pooh cartoon nonsense when they were growing up. But, you know, sometimes he just have a big like thing of wax or whatever and eat that. Is that honey also? What's the wax? Oh, you mean does the wax compose that weight? Yeah. Or is, oh. do you have to like extract? Do you have to press the honey out of that wax? I have no idea how all this works. My grandpa didn't really like having us around much. <laughs> <laughs> we were noisy. <laughs> Don't you have to go back home? <laughs> I think I, your mom's calling you. Stop throwing that bowling ball around. You're going to break the beat. <laughs> uh, well, as far as uh, is that 80 pounds pure honey or is it wax and honey? Uh, that I don't know. Oh. Well, when when you actually are doing this uh, beekeeping, mat and making yes. the honey, you need to take just a little snippet of video so we can see how it works. And then we'll post it to the South Ridgefield YouTube channel. Okay. <laughs> and if you're lucky, you know, maybe even the Luther Farm Market uh, channel, which we're launching uh, soon, we, we redid the Luther Farm website just uh, last month. So we're going to, you know... We're going. We're going viral. Sounds can, like you I have the beginnings of a multimedia empire starting. That's right. <laughs> the podcast, the YouTube channel, the the uh, we have a TikTok channel. Actually, Wade has a TikTok channel. 
for these two guinea pigs that live in my podcast studio, Laverne and Shirley. They are, uh, I don't know how old they are, maybe about a year old. But Rachel, they appeared in my studio after Wade and Nolan and I got back from a youth group mission trip. We got home and they were just there. And I'm like, what? Where did these guinea pigs come from? But they have been a joy. And they do have a TikTok channel. Look up uh, Laverne and Shirley on TikTok. And uh, you'll probably find them. And I would imagine that Laverne and Shirley have more TikTok viewers than we have South Richfield podcast listeners. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna build a sidewalk right down Broadview Road. I'm gonna Walk till I can't no more. I'm gonna build a sidewalk right down Broadview Road. I'm gonna on, walk till I can't no more. I got concrete mix to spare, a gap from here to there. Green space everywhere, this sidewalk can't compare. Walking on the road, ha, to the highest point. Here in Summit County, this path won't disappoint us. Can't nobody tell me nothing. Can't tell me nothing. Can't nobody tell me nothing. You can't tell me nothing. In between Christmas and New Year's, we went, uh, Penny and the kids and I went up to Traverse City, Michigan, and uh, we just spent the week up there. Uh, while we were up there, uh, we took in all the sights, uh, and even in wintertime, it, it's beautiful uh, uh, up there. There's this, uh, for lack of a better word, an insane asylum that got re- refitted into a boutique uh, mall lifestyle center. Um, and we took a tour, and it was really kind of scary. <laughs> but um, we also, Jack and I, uh, attempted to go snowboarding. And... Um, I've been skiing since I was, uh, oh, this tall, Scott. Okay. So for a long time. <laughs> it's a different set of muscles for snowboarding. <laughs> I was I was falling down all over the place. I fell down so bad right on my coccyx, which is your tailbone, <laughs> and landed so hard, it hurt. And I hit it so hard that it still hurts today. And so I, I can't, I have to shift while I'm in a chair every now and then. Uh, and, and to add insult to this injury is I, I was dressed to, to go skiing. I thought we were going to be going skiing that day, but they, they ran out of equipment. Really? Uh, yeah, it was a, a small operation. And um, yeah, so they ran out of skis. So said, we'll be snowboarding. So I, I'm figuring because I'm skiing, I'm not going to fall. I could just wear jeans and. Oh, um, no. <laughs> and, you know, a light windbreaker. <laughs> and I, in the succeeding years from uh, since maybe some of our listeners have ever seen me, uh, I, I've had some uh, body physiological morphology changes. <laughs> and among those is uh, my equator has expanded quite, <laughs> quite a lot. 
And uh, so I'm always like hiking up my pants a lot. Right. <laughs> because they tend to fall down. Do you have and a so belt? Belt. Belt seems like it works half the time. So, yeah, I do have a belt. <laughs> but belly wins over belt 98% of the time. So I don't know if anybody knows how you how you snowboard, but when you're snowboarding, you are squatting a lot. And when you're squatting in pants that fall oh. down, full moon on the mountain. So when, <laughs> when I wreck, my pants are coming down. <laughs> And there I am with my son, my 16-year-old son, <laughs> who is reaching that age where he's going, I, I really don't want to hang around with my dad. <laughs> and this was the final, the final nail in that coffin, Aww. seeing his dad trying to stand up on a snowboard, <laughs> caboose hanging out. <laughs> On the bunny hill with all the children. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, so uh, at some point in this misadventure, I just said, I, I am not going to be able to do this. And I took off the snowboard, <laughs> hiked up my pants, and just walked down the hill. <laughs> oh, man. So how about you? What'd you do? <laughs> well, speaking of winter, winter sports... We did uh we did go back to Holiday Valley this year, and I know a couple of years ago we we did the dopes on the slopes episode, um, where we talked about my skiing adventures, and I think your cross country skiing adventures. Well, last last year, this is the third year we've gone. Last year was awful; it was kind of icy. We went between Christmas and New Year's last year, and I couldn't make it down the hill to save my soul. I would crash every you know. 50 feet it seemed like uh one time i was laying in the middle of uh if you're if you've been to holiday valley mardi gras is like a big long hill that you go down it's not terribly difficult i guess but for me a new skier it was and i'm laying there and there was a, a instructor coming down the hill with a little kid and they stopped and asked if I needed any help. And I'm because I could not get up. I was struggling to just get up. And I'm like, yeah, that'd be great. Well, he pulled me up and I went from this way and I fell back down on top of him. <laughs> like you like you see in a, uh, you know, like you're pulling up a girl in those old 80s movies and they fall on top of you and say, oops, what do I do? <laughs> and here I am laying on top of this instructor. <laughs> Oops. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I should not be on this hill. Uh, I got that same year. I also got ran over by the chairlift. Um, all four of us were trying to get on a lift together. And Wade was kind of lagging behind. So I kind of turned to see where he was. And when I turned, I didn't see that the chairlift was coming around the corner and it knocked me down and went over my head and I'm like laying there oh, and no. Wade missed, Wade stayed back. He saw the chair coming, so he didn't scoop forward, but I'm like laying there and, uh, 
and Rachel and the snowboard, the, the ski lift operators were not paying attention because how many times do they actually have to stop that thing? Most people know how to get on a lift, but Rachel's like, stop, stop, stop. And they're like, oh, <laughs> so they stop it. And of course, they have, I think, every 50th uh, chair is like a gold lift. It was the gold lift that that hit me. So uh, that was my that was my story from last year. Well, this year we went. And Matt, I have no idea where I learned to ski because I hadn't skied again since the last trip to Holiday Valley. Mm-hmm. The first full day, I didn't fall down once. The second day, I didn't fall down until about 6.30 in the evening. And that's the only time I crashed the entire three-day weekend. And, of course, I hurt my shoulder. <laughs> and it still hurts when I crashed. But uh, I learned how to ski, like, overnight or something. Because all of a sudden, I, I can ski. And I even went down... Uh, uh, some of the blue ones wow. instead of just the green ones. And wow. I made it. So well, congratulations. Thank you. Bravo. But we'll see. I don't know. I don't know what's wrong with my shoulder. I should probably go to the physical therapy. The doctor told me to go to. <laughs> it might be a pretty good idea. I'm a busy man though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Podcast to do. Guinea right. pig TikTok. Yep, we got a lot of stuff going on here. I do have a book on the bookshelf behind me, The Curse of Rocky Calavita, somewhere. I have all my baseball books back there. Um, in fact, I I was at the library book sale this weekend, Matt, and I picked up the best of Hal Leibovitz, <laughs> who was a Plain Dealer columnist. So uh, I'm going to... I'm going to read this when I have time. It'll probably just sit on my nightstand. <laughs> right. Like, I have another other base- books. <laughs> All my, I always have a baseball book on my nightstand. And I have one right now called uh, How Baseball Happened. And it's a true story of how baseball happened. Uh, it, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't Abner Doubleday who started the game of baseball. Wow. So it goes through, <laughs> goes through how it evolved into the game it is today. Okay, and where they think it originated. Well, that so. sounds like an interesting read. Rounders, yeah, they talk about rounders. Well, yes, they do talk about rounders, Matt. And baseball did not evolve from rounders. Ooh. It uh, it was its own thing. It was its own thing, Matt. Just telling you. All right. Yeah. I'll be sure to pick that up and put it on my bookshelf <laughs> and buy, sit on my nightstand. Um, <laughs> I, I can lend it to you afterwards. <laughs> All right. And uh, the other big baseball uh, news, Matt, is tomorrow, uh, March 24th, Out of the Park Baseball 24 comes out on the PC. And what I am, is this? It's a uh, baseball simulation game. Oh. And if you love stats... Like I do, oh, it's just chock full. And I watched a launch video today to get myself kind of pumped up, right, for the big release tomorrow. 
So uh, I'll be I'll be ready. Just in time for the kids' spring break. Dad, would you play with us? Not now. I did take next week off. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's just a happy coincidence. I, I you know. Dad, I just want to have a catch. <laughs> no, 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 no. In a little bit. In a little bit. <laughs> you know, my wife's parents, Ray and Karen Barda, they know that guy who who uh, played uh, John Kinsella in Field of Dreams. Oh yeah, his name is Dwyer Brown, and uh, they have his. Well, Rachel has his book downstairs. Uh, they got it. They got it signed for her or something from the uh, author, uh, who who was who was John Kinsella in the movie. Hmm. It's very exciting, and he talks about uh, you know about making the film and all that stuff. So they had to wait until the lighting was just right. And, you know, that big scene at the end of the movie with the cars coming through the cornfield, you know, on through the corn on the way to the, the, uh, field. Mm-hmm. Uh, I guess they had like helicopters and they had to wait until just the perfect time for all those cars to turn on their lights and start driving towards the, towards the farmhouse. So movie magic. It is. It is. You would know. I mean, you are a producer. Uh, yeah, a producer and executive producer. Uh, right. I do have a little bit of a story about that. Uh, the, the, the piece of art of what you're referring to is, uh, a documentary <laughs> that, uh, my, a friend and myself made, uh, with our local, uh, affiliate uh, up here for uh, PBS uh, called undefeated. So ask the, ask the, uh, TV 25 for, uh, undefeated, the Chuck <laughs> Ely story. Um, so uh, Chuck Ely was a the Toledo Rockets uh, quarterback in 1969, 70, and 71. Didn't lose a game. Went 35 and 0. In fact, he didn't lose a game in high school either. Uh, when he played for uh, a uh, parochial school down in Portsmouth, Ohio, on uh, the Ohio River. Well, anyway, uh, here was a guy that never lost a game in, in high school, never lost a game in college, and. Uh, Finished eighth in the Heisman Trophy uh, ballot uh, in his senior season. Didn't get drafted in the NFL at a time when uh, the NFL was composed of 26 teams and they had 17 rounds of the draft. So it was felt that a a guy who had never lost at all these different levels uh, was not good enough to play in the NFL, but 442 other players were better prospects than he was. Anyway, with this kind of resume, you would think that he would get into the College Football Hall of Fame, but he had not until just this year. So, um, well, just in 2022. So 50 years later, after he leaves, he finally gets inducted into uh, the College Football Hall of Fame. And up here in Toledo, uh, at the uh, National Football Foundation annual dinner, uh, an event that had 750 people in attendance, he was the keynote speaker. And got to know him and been friendly with him, obviously, because of the uh, 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 the documentary that we did, which was back in 08, I think, is, is when it was made. Anyway, as part of this foundation, one of the things that they, they, they do is they raise funds for scholarships. And one of the ways that they do this is by doing an auction. And so they have all these different uh, 
things that they're giving away that have been signed, like helmets and jerseys and photographs. And lo and behold, here's one that's a football, a signed football. And uh, even though it's 800 or 750, 800 people, nobody's bidding on these items. It was an auction. And the uh, guys up there, the MCs on who's going to start on this? Who's going to start on this? The bidding here. And I'm, I don't know what came over me, uh, a wave of uh, ADD, but uh, I raised my hand. He goes, $250. And I went, what? I didn't. <laughs> and, I, and I thought, I, I'm just going to get this started. That, that's that's it. And I thought, okay, he's going to go 275 and and 300 and I'm going to be off the hook. Nobody else bids. <laughs> <laughs> on so, a football? Go, on a, a, a signed football from this guy that I'm friends with. So <laughs> he, I could have just handed him a football and he could have signed it for me. <laughs> well, you're helping the kids with the scholarship. That's what people said to make me feel better. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, too. <laughs> but, but keep in mind, these guys are the big studs on their campus. They're... They're the guys that are already have scholarships to other programs. They get all the girls, you know, and they don't need any help from my $250 scholarship. My, my so, $250 scholarship probably went towards uh, somebody's chicken dinner. So these, the, this money that's being raised is to help the football team? The scholarships for these kids is, is what, what they say. But... So there I am, raising my hand, just trying to be a a guy that's just getting it started, and now I'm left with a $250 football. Maybe he uh, could sign it again for you. <laughs> double, 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 double signature. signature. Maybe, maybe, maybe he could go get the other 442 people who were drafted that that season to sign it as well. Now that'd be something. Now didn't uh, also, Chuck. Oh, I'm sorry, Matt. Oh, I was Go just ahead. gonna say uh, another person that was there was uh, a former UT uh, University of Toledo football coach named Gary Pinkle. He's the winningest coach in uh, uh, Toledo football history, and then he went on to coach at, at University of Missouri. He signed the football as well. And uh, I looked online to see what kind of <laughs> what these two guys' signatures were going for, and uh, I couldn't find any. <laughs> So you have a unique item. I do. And it does say to Matt on it. So there's, there's that. Oh, okay. All right. Oh. Didn't Chuck Ely play in the CFL and win like the gray cup or something? Oh, that's interesting. Yes. So he did not get drafted in the NFL. He gets drafted. So he goes North to play in the CFL gets drafted by the Hamilton tiger cats and doesn't lose a game. Goes on to win the Grey Cup, which is their Super Bowl. And uh, it gets a rookie of the year, MVP of the game. So he uh, he did all right. What else can he do? Well, he was a financial planner and he sold John Deere tractors. <laughs> and he, he probably, uh, you know, still has his uh, brains about him, too, because he didn't get... Roughed up. How long did he play in the Canadian Football League? He played. It's either seven or eight years, but he did get roughed up. He ended, okay. ended up with like a punctured lung. Oh, so. <laughs> oh man! And that he could happen on a John Deere as well. It's true. <laughs> and he did eventually lose a game. 
<laughs> that must have been devastating. His first. Imagine you've never lost in high school, college, or your first year in professional football. You finally lose a game. He mm-hmm. never knew what that felt like until he was like 35 years old. Well, he also played uh, uh, basketball and, and baseball, and at least in high school. So he knew yeah. what it was to lose those games. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, man. That's that's interesting. I did. I, I do have a copy of that documentary, and it is very good. And you won an Emmy for it. Well, that's right. We won an, we, we did win an Emmy. Um, but if you're interested in uh, assigned football, uh, <laughs> I'm willing to let it go for just a mere $251. You throw in a jar of honey, right. you might, <laughs> might have a deal. I got to get these bees to work. Yeah, if oh. you get your five pounds of bees, this new. I felt, I felt like such a dope after buying this thing. <laughs> and I, I, I text Penny, uh, you know that that it happened because you know we have a shared bank account, so she's gonna wonder what the hell's this. And I said, hey, I, I, I won a football in a in a in an auction. And she said, oh, great. How much? You know, we're texting back and forth. I said, $250. She doesn't text me back. <laughs> I knew. I knew at that point I was uh, in trouble. No, she was oh. She was good about it. Oh. Um, she knows. You, you, you had good she, intentions. She knows I'm a dope. <laughs> <laughs> you had good intentions. She, she knew right. that, too. You're a good man, Matt Coma. Oh, I don't well. care what people say. It's all um, true. <laughs> uh, mate, hey, do you have an old iPhone laying around, like in its original packaging? No. Why do you ask? Well, you hear about this woman. Um, her name is Karen Green. Um, she back in two thousand seven um, was leaving a job and starting a new job and some of her friends pitched in to buy her a brand new iPhone. Well, you know, people were clamoring to get, get their hands on one of these iPhones back then. Apple said, this is the revolutionary thing. You know, nobody had seen this before. Well, just like the month before she had upgraded her non-smartphone. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's like, you know, I'm, what am I going to do with this iPhone? I just upgraded my, I just switched, upgraded my phone. Um, I don't want to mess around with this. I'll just hold on to it. And she's like, it's an iPhone. It'll be good forever. I'll just go to it. Well, lo and behold, you know, years go by and new iPhones come out. You know, what are we up to now? 14 or something. Right. Well, she kept this thing sealed in the original box. It's an eight gigabyte phone. Well, she said, I'm going to see how much this thing might be worth. And she went on a daytime TV show called The Doctor and the Diva. Um, and the appraisers estimated that it would be give get her around $5,000. Well, she finally put it to auction last month. She sold that unwrapped original iPhone versed 
first generation for $63,356. Wow. Oh over a hundred over a hundred times what that phone originally cost. It's it's more than any iPhone has ever gotten at an auction. So Jeez. you just might want to be scrape, you know, digging around. I'm checking my basement. <laughs> Maybe I have an old iPhone laying around there, and I'll take it to auction and and uh, and see if anybody might want to buy it. Can How about two? an old iPad or a, a, or maybe an iPod, slightly used? Is it? I was going to say, is it still in the box? That's the key. You can't unwrap this stuff, Matt. That's how these collectibles, you know, shoot up in value. I see. Always buy two. I have a. Uh, uh, I do have an indie car, like a diecast little indie car from the Medic Drug Grand Prix. Like okay. back in back in two thousand one or whatever, um, maybe even be the nineties. Now that I'm thinking about it, um, that's not not unwrapped. It's still in its original case. If anybody wants to hit me up for one of these IndyCar series diecast cars, I'll take fifty bucks for it. I'll throw in some honey and a football, <laughs> <laughs> signed by someone you've never heard of. Uh. That's crazy, $63,000. Anyway, Matt, I think uh, we've, we're probably about out of time here. Well, it was great catching up with you again, Scott. Yeah, it seems like even though we haven't uh, talked in a while, we've, we've been busy, had a lot to talk about, and I, I can't wait to taste that syrup. Okay. <laughs> I'll get it all prepared for us. And yeah. The blind taste test challenge. Is it just eating the syrup or... We have French toast or anything? What's going on? We can make some, we can make some French toast sticks to go along with it. Okay. Close. All right. Yeah, I won't taint them with cinnamon or, or anything because I want to make sure I get the full flavor of the Cairo syrup. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you all for listening. Remember, uh, send us your emails at southrichfield at gmail.com. Uh, you can always find our podcast available on Podbean or whatever you listen to your podcasts on. And uh, what's the other thing we always say, Matt? Follow us on Twitter at uh, South Richfield. Right, at South Richfield. And uh, please be sure to give us that five-star rating wherever you get those, your, your podcast. It helps get the South Richfield message out there. That's right. So for, uh, for Matt... I want to say thank you for tuning back in to the South Regional Podcast, and we will talk to you later. Good night, everyone. <laughs>